Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Total Dream Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Dickert, and I'm excited to have you here today. We're going to do a little bit different topic for the show today, but I think it's going to be fun. Uh, Feel free to reach out. Let me know what you think about the podcast after you've given it a listen. Uh, Things are going well with the podcast. I think this is episode 17 or 18, so we're coming up on the big 2-0. We'll figure out something fun and exciting to do to celebrate that, so stay tuned. Uh, First, let's get into some news and notes, and then we'll get started. So first of all... Happy 10-year anniversary to the City Bike Program in New York City. Uh, Much like life on this planet, a million things had to go right for this long shot to happen. And something that they didn't think was going to work and that we were warned was going to kill us all turned out to be a very important part of life in New York City. Uh, It's a very important part of getting around. Tons of people use it. uh, And I'm just... I'm a big fan, so big proponent of City Bike. Here's to another 10 years. Um, what else is up? So travel next week. I go to Chicago for a seminar. Shout out to Cairo Destiny. Uh, looking forward to this seminar. I go to them a couple times a year. It's a great group, great people, um, really successful chiropractors who are focused on headspace and personal development, um, and it's a good time. We always have fun. So I'll be there. I think the 8th, 9th, and 10th or something like that. Maybe I go the 8th, come back the 10th. It's a quick trip, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're in Chicago, uh, maybe we can plan a little podcast meetup and hope to see you there. Uh, Sports, we got the final set for NHL and NBA. Very excited for both. Um, They start soon, so let's hope for a good series. A lot of fun. Uh, The Liberty are doing well. We watched them play over the weekend. They look really good. So if everyone can stay healthy, it could be a really fun season for them. And we're going to NYCFC this weekend. Uh, I think the third at 3.30 at Yankee Stadium. It's their Pride Day. It's going to be a total blast. Uh, We're not watching so many TV shows these days. It's been more of an experience over uh, sitting around watching entertainment. We had a really fun Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Made it down to the Jersey Shore. We're back in Brooklyn. Hung out with a bunch of friends. Shout out to everybody who made the weekend a fun and magical and really like restorative experience. Um, Music, music notes, friend of the podcast, La Big Zero. Uh, Shout out to Katie Cooney. If you didn't listen to the interview with her, go back a few episodes and listen to that. But her band, La Big Zero is playing at Alphaville in uh, Brooklyn tomorrow night. Oh, tomorrow night for me. I don't know when you're listening to the podcast. But June 1st, uh, Alphaville. Look it up. Check out their Instagram, Zero, to get more information. And then other band friend of the podcast, the Desert Sharks, have announced their spring tour, which is very exciting. So June 8th, they're going to be in Cleveland. June 9th, they're going to be in Chicago. June 10th, they'll be playing Pride in Detroit. And then June 13th, they'll be back in Brooklyn at Our Wicked Lady. So like I just said, I'm going to be in Chicago on June 9th. So if you want to meet up, come see me at the Desert Shark Show. All right. That's enough news and notes. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Total Dream Life Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Thomas Dick. I'm a chiropractor, meditation teacher, entrepreneur, and lover of life, and I'm excited to have you join me for this week's episode. All right, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, we're doing something a little different. 
This week, we're going to talk about ticks, tick prevention, and tick safety. I figured since it's the unofficial start of summer this past weekend with Memorial Day, I wanted to get into some summer-related topics, and I thought, hmm, I know what I know about ticks, but I don't know so much about ticks. So let's learn a little bit about ticks, and let's learn about how we can prevent them, uh, some natural ways to prevent them, some less than natural ways to prevent them, and we'll talk a little bit about how to decide what's best for you and your family. So first things first, what are ticks? Um, ticks are tiny parasitic arachnids. Uh, arachnids means they have eight legs, so they're related to spiders and mites. Um, they're tiny little guys. They, uh, again, are uh, external parasites. So that means that they don't go inside of your body to be a parasite. Uh, they go from the outside. Uh, and there's a word for that, and I like the word a lot. It's ectoparasites. And it sounds fun. It's got a little bit of Ghostbusters to it. Uh, but essentially what it means is it's a parasite that attaches from the outside. They are tiny little creatures, you know, three to five millimeters on average. When they are feeding off the host, they swell up and fill with blood. Uh, blood is what they eat. That's how they get all of their nutrition. They're very much like little vampires, and that's going to come up a few times in the podcast, but I think it's really uh, really sweet that they're little vampire bugs. Um, so again, they feed on blood, uh, and when they're eating, they can swell to like some some ticks, some species of ticks can swell to like 600 times their normal size as they get gorged with blood. Um, but there are many, many different types of ticks. They are distributed all around the globe. They especially like warm, humid climates. Uh, they need some humidity for their life cycle to go through the different stages. Uh, so the more humid the area, the more likely you are to find ticks, but ticks are very well or very diversely spread around the globe. Um, fossils of ticks date back 100 million years, so they're not new to the party. They've been around for a minute and they have eaten all or feasted on all sorts of creatures over the years. Like I said, there's approximately 900 different species of ticks around the world, which is an impressive number. Uh, different ticks tend to favor different types of hosts or different uh, climates. Uh, but they are very, very spread around. Uh, they can exist. They are also very resilient creatures. Um, you know, a tick can survive in a near vacuum for almost a half hour. Uh, they have a very slow metabolism. So once they feast, once they feed on someone, they can go a very long time in between feedings. They actually, despite loving humidity, are quite drought resilient. Um, and I think can last several weeks in drought conditions. Uh, and they're very difficult to control, uh, you know, with pesticides, with other things. It, there's not been too many examples in history of successfully controlling ticks in an area with interventions by human. So they're tough little buggers, and we got to figure out how to work with them, how to live with them, and how to prevent them from attaching to us. Uh, one of the major controlling factors for ticks are their natural predators, so animals that eat a lot of them. So one thing we'll talk about later is the idea of promoting the environment for their predators. Uh, so a good example of some predators, opossums, one of our favorite animals here at the podcast. Shout out to opossums. Uh, they eat a ton of ticks because they are constantly grooming themselves. and They will eat hundreds or thousands of ticks 
in a given season. So when you see an opossum, you know, they are animals that do not pose a threat to us. They don't do much that bothers us. And by eating all these ticks, they're actually helping us. So be nice to the possums when you see them. Uh, wild birds also. Uh, so like jays, robins, wild turkeys. Birds eat a ton of bugs. Um, so there's something else that can be used to help control the ticks in your own personal area of the world. Uh, let's see. So one of the big problems with ticks is that ticks are a big vector of disease in humans. And that's one of the reasons we're going to talk about them today on the podcast. Um, in my research, it's basically like they're second only to mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, number one insect spreader of viruses, bacteria, diseases in humans. Ticks are number two. But the diseases they spread can be pretty aggressive. Um, they can be pretty impactful on your life. Many of them are chronic diseases that last for a very long time um, and are difficult to treat. The most common example in the U.S., especially here in the Northeast, is Lyme disease. Lyme disease is a disease that is spread from tick bites and can be very, very detrimental in humans. It can cause lethargy, fatigue, mind fog, body pain, aches. Um, it can disrupt the different systems of our body and treatment for it takes a long time and is pretty aggressive. And the treatment itself, at least the medical treatment for it, can cause a lot of negative effects uh, or negative side effects as well. So it's a pretty brutal treatment regimen that takes a very long time and is not a lot of fun. So like most diseases, avoiding it to begin with is easier and more fun in the long run than having to deal with it. So pay attention because we're going to talk about some other diseases. Um, I especially picked the diseases with very scary names. There are hundreds of different diseases out there. I don't have time to read through all of them. So again, this is a very particular list, but listen to some of these names. We've got Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Doesn't sound fun. Q Fever. Very mysterious. There's an African Tick Bite Fever. So uh, again, not what you want. Colorado Tick Fever. Uh, there's one called Crimean Congo Hemorrhagic Fever. And that just sounds terrible. And really, if you look through the list of different diseases that are spread by ticks, a lot of them have the word hemorrhagic in it, which is not a fun disease to have. Hemorrhagic means you're bleeding, uh, sometimes uncontrollably. Some of these diseases can be life-threatening or very life-disrupting, quality of life-threatening, which is something we talk about on the podcast a lot. Uh, quick aside, so the idea of quality of life-threatening versus life-threatening. If you're outside and you're enjoying a barbecue and you trip and you fall and hit your head. So you go to the ER or you go to the urgent care. They're going to take some x-rays. They're going to look at what happened. They're going to say, okay, nothing's broken. Maybe they'll do some more imaging. Nothing's bleeding. Uh, nothing's threatening your life right now. Here's a painkiller. Call us if anything changes. So what they just did was they screened you for a life-threatening situation. And many people leave urgent care or the ER thinking, clean bill of health. Life's good. I can go on with my life. They've done nothing to evaluate the function, the effects on range of motion, the effects on the muscles, the stress on your body, the stress on your nervous system. So when you have an injury and it's not life-threatening, 
it can still affect the quality of your life. So we call that a quality of life threatening situation. Um, so you want to keep that in mind. But back to ticks. So some of the diseases are going to affect your quality of life. Some are going to threaten your actual life. Again, the best practice is to figure out ways and habits to help reduce the impact of ticks on you and your family. Uh, so how do they spread disease? A common misconception about ticks, and this is one that I remember thinking when I was younger, uh, was that they would jump out of the trees or jump out of the bushes above you and land on you as you walked through the woods. Uh, where I grew up in New Jersey, we had a small little area in the backyard that was full of trees and bushes, and we would love to play back there. Uh, but it was also a breeding ground for ticks and a breeding ground for mosquitoes. It was essentially like a retention basin to keep the neighborhood from flooding. So we developed pretty effective habits when we were young for checking ourselves for ticks, for avoiding ticks. And I'd say that one of the best things we can do for tick safety and tick prevention is make sure that we have a very robust um, training program for young people to develop habits. If you have healthy tick habits, you can pretty effectively avoid um, any serious outcomes of ticks. And one of the nice things about ticks is that for most of these diseases, they have to be attached to you for a long period of time. So for like Lyme disease, for example, the way that you're going to get Lyme disease from a tick bite is if that tick's been attached to you for 24 hours or more. So if you have a daily regimen of checking and removing ticks, you can very effectively avoid Lyme disease, but you need to be 100% consistent. You know, that one time you skip and don't check could be the time that you find a tick three days later. So you want to be really vigilant with this. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Okay. Uh, so they can't fly and they can't jump out of trees, right? But what they do instead, and this is kind of cute, is they'll climb up grasses or they'll climb up bushes and shrubs and they'll hang on to the grass. So their bottom you know, two or three pairs of legs will hang onto the grass and then their top legs will reach up in the air. And when I think about this, I think about those little aliens from the Toy Story movie when the claw comes and they all go, oh, the claw. So I just imagine, you know, a field of grass with a bunch of little ticks just standing there waiting as they hang onto the grass with their arms up in the air waiting for, you know, whoever the host is going to be to walk by so they can grab on and climb up and find a nice place to attach and get a dinner or a meal. Um, so they'll either wait in the grass for someone to walk by or an animal to walk by, and they'll grab onto the leg and climb up. Um, or they, other types of ticks like to, you know, burrow into nests, find birds, or burrow into different caves and uh, habitats and find their prey when they're sleeping. You know, some ticks will also develop the habit of going into homes and houses and looking around in there to find people. Um, yeah, so some ticks will get you in the grass, some ticks will come into your home. The important thing is you have to be aware when you're in a heavy tick population area and take a lot of these preventive steps. So once the tick finds a host, either by grabbing on from the grass or going into a nest, it will attach itself to the host. It has different areas, different... Some uh, ticks will go for thinner skinned areas like the ears of cattle. Other ticks like 
to go to the hairline or find a place where they think they can hide. Uh, this is, of course, something we can use against them. One of the great things about insects is they're not necessarily making creative decisions. Uh, you know, insects run a baseline program. This is what they do. This is how they do it. So if you know where to look, it's very rare that you're going to find a tick, you know, in the center of your chest or on your forehead. You know, where you're going to find a tick is on the hairline or in your armpit or someplace where it's darker or they get a little bit of cover from the hair. So you know where to look. You can know where to find them. So when the tick finds a person or an animal that it likes, it will find the area of the body that it likes and then it will uh, you know, bite in, make a hole in the skin and start drinking the animal's blood. So one of the things about the saliva of the tick is that it has anti-inflammatory properties and this is important because it keeps inflammation from developing in the area where it makes a hole in your skin which keeps you from getting itchy or feeling pain or realizing that the tick's there. That's why a tick can be attached to you or, you know, in theory, dozens or hundreds of ticks could be attached to you and you won't feel it because the saliva has proteins in it that are keeping your body from having an immune response. We talk about immune response, or I'm sorry, not immune response, inflammatory response. So it keeps you from having an inflammatory response which keeps you from getting itchy or feeling pain. We talk about inflammatory responses every week on the podcast because inflammation is the cause of most diseases, either sh uh, short-term or chronic diseases, uh, they're all either affected by or exacerbated by or caused by inflammation. So ironically, scientists are studying ticks to see if they can use the anti-inflammatory properties to uh, help people with other conditions. But in the short term, those anti-inflammatory properties are why you don't realize that a small little creature has just burrowed its head into your body and is drinking your blood. All right. So one of the other interesting things about ticks, like we said before, they're very widely dispersed around the globe, but they do have habitats that they're more common in. One of the things about their habitat, though, is that habitat is expanding due to climate change. So this is very detrimental to animals um, and possibly people that live in an area that historically didn't have ticks. So a good example is if you go up into Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire and these places, they're finding moose that are called ghost moose. So the ghost moose are moose that are covered in so many ticks that they're actually drinking all of their blood and they've shriveled up and they're emaciated and they're coming out of the woods looking like monsters. And the reason this is is because as the climate warms in those areas, the ticks were able to expand further north. But unlike the deer down in Pennsylvania and Connecticut who have evolved over millennium with the ticks and have grooming practices and grooming habits and ways of removing ticks from their body, these moose up north had never experienced ticks before. So they have no instincts regarding ticks. They have no grooming practices to pick ticks off. So one of the problems as the climate changes and the uh, habitat for the ticks expand is that they're essentially walking into a candy store. You know, there's animals there that don't have any way to stop this, so they're getting very negatively impacted. So it's not just humans who are getting impacted by ticks or by the spread of ticks. 
Um, but we all can benefit by reducing the uh, habitat for ticks and trying to help control them. And also, you know, just like anything else, multiple factors go into this. So we want to think about climate change. We want to work on improving the environment for ourselves and also for future generations. Um, otherwise, they're not going to know what moose are uh, because they will have all been eaten by ticks. So the habitat's expanding. Climate change is a thing. You want to be aware of it, uh, especially if you live in an area where you're like, we never have ticks. Someday you might. So it's still worthwhile to have some practices in place to help you avoid uh, being uh, affected by ticks and their diseases. So let's go to an area that has ticks in it. Say you're in Connecticut and you're in your backyard. There may be a big population of ticks in the woods there. But just because some of the ticks have Lyme disease doesn't mean that all the ticks have Lyme disease. It, just like it needs to spread from uh, a tick to a person, the disease has to spread from ticks to ticks. So you might have an area where 1% of the ticks has a certain disease. You might have an area where 50% of the ticks have a certain disease. But the takeaway message is just because there are ticks there doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to get the disease. But if we're talking about a 50% chance, you want to act like each tick has the disease and uh, treat it appropriately and take it seriously. Uh, even though when you look at the numbers and the stats, you're not as likely just because you got bit by a tick to get a disease. But it's better to prevent than try to fix later. So let's keep moving on. Um, how do ticks find their hosts? So ticks are just like anything else. They're going to have certain things that they're attracted to or certain things that they use to find their prey. Um, so for ticks, they find potential hosts either by their odor, by the body heat that they're putting out, um, by the humidity or the moisture as they breathe, and by vibrations in the environment. So if you can use these things to your advantage to deter the tick, it can be very helpful. Ticks love the area where maintained forests or where forests meet maintained yards. So if you live in the suburbs and you have woods behind your house, that area where the woods stop and your manicured lawn starts, they love that area. They love hiding in um, the grasses. They like to lay their eggs in areas that have a lot of leaf matter on the ground that can be very humid and moist because the larvae need that moisture as they mature into bigger ticks. Um, so those areas that transition from forest to cul-de-sac is very popular for the ticks. Um, so one of the ways that you can control the tick population is to keep that area very clean, to move that area back, a little more space between your yard where you hang out and where the woods start, is going to cut down on how many ticks you find in your yard. Um, they like to lay their larvae in the grass there because that is very conducive to how they grow and procreate. Um, so again, keeping it clean is going to help reduce the amount of ticks. So ticks, different types of ticks have different strategies. Some attach to a host once, live their entire life attached to the host. Other are multi-host creatures, um, and it runs the gamut. But... It's a, they're interesting creatures, these ticks. And because there's so many of them, they, you can really find different ones with different attributes. So how are we going to prevent ticks? Uh, the first recommendation 
is when you're out in the woods, when you're out hiking, when you're camping, you want to wear long pants. All right, long pants, long sleeves. Light colored pants and sleeves are going to make them more visible, make it a better chance of you to see them uh, before they're, as they're climbing up you. Um, the long pants also forces them to climb up the outside of the pant instead of on the inside, so you have a better chance of seeing them. Uh, the light colored clothing, really simple. It's a lot easier to see a dark little bug climbing up a pair of khaki pants than it is to see them climbing up a pair of uh, black pants. So it's really just making it more visible for you. Uh, pesticides have long been used by humans to keep uh, bugs at bay, and pesticides can be an effective way to keep them off of your clothes. We're going to talk more about this in a little bit. Um, there's also some natural options, again, because ticks are very driven by smell and scent. There are uh, essential oils and natural oils that they do not like the, spell, the smell of, and just like other bugs that you can deter with things like citronella, and other essential oils, there is some. Uh, there are some examples of natural ways to keep ticks from being attracted to you. And again, this kind of goes back to the idea of being the least vulnerable person, right? We talk about how if you're eating healthy, you're going to have a better outcome if you come across a virus. Well, if you are um, taking these steps and being the least attractive to the tick, most likely it's going to go to someone else. Same as having a bicycle in New York City. Bikes get stolen. You can't make a bike unstealable, but you can make a bike look less appealing to a bike thief than the bike next to it. So, again, we want to do the things to make us the least vulnerable or the least attractive to the ticks. Um, one of the biggest things, uh, and the number one thing for tick prevention, is just developing a habit of regularly checking. So, for me, like I said, I've grown up in tick areas so anytime that i'm in the woods or i'm in a tall grass situation walking through a field um you know or even being around animals that are out doing that you want to make sure you do some a uh, tick check again so i will come in you know run the hands through the hair run the hands along the hairline check the armpits the back of the legs the groin area any place that has hair and that is kind of not noticeable if the tick was hiding in there, is an area you want to run your fingers through and check to make sure you don't feel any little ticks. Uh, so that regular checking um, at least once a day at the end of the day, but really anytime you're out, it's, it's better to just check throughout the day. You also want to be checking your animals, uh, you know, the dogs, horses, that sort of thing that are out in the grass, out in the field, because ticks love dogs and cats and things like that, and they can come into the house via the animal. Um, so you want to be checking your animals at all times as well. Uh, when you come inside, if you shower immediately after coming inside from being out in the field or out in the woods, this can dramatically reduce the likelihood that the tick is going to get a chance to attach to you, and that will dramatically reduce the likelihood that you're going to get a disease from a tick. Uh, you also want to make your yard less appealing. Just like we want to make ourselves less appealing, whether it's with uh, bug spray or natural essential oils or whatever it may be, uh, you want to make it less appealing to ticks in general just to be there. So keeping the yard well-maintained, keeping the forest back like we talked about before, also discouraging deer and other animals that the ticks like to feast on. You know, deer 
come into your yard, they eat your flowers, they eat your bushes, oftentimes there will be deer ticks or other ticks that are hopping a ride on them to get into the area. So if you can keep the deer away, you're going to reduce the amount of ticks. Uh, another reason why it's important to have a healthy deer population uh, is because overpopulation of deer uh, spreads disease, spreads ticks. It's also dangerous to cars and humans that are in the car. So you want to be in a situation where we're doing everything we can to have a healthy deer population. Uh, so, yes, so other animals and deer, you know, keeping them out of the yard helps keep the ticks out of the yard. So what are some of the essential oils that supposedly the ticks do not like? So the ticks do not like the smell of peppermint. They don't like the rosemary oil, cedar oil, lemongrass oil, geranium oil, tea tree oil is a big one, and obviously citronella. We all know about citronella because we have citronella candles that we use to keep bugs away. We also know that it's not, you know, it's not foolproof. It can be something to help deter the bug, uh, but it's not necessarily going to keep away 100% of ticks. So my thinking on this, all right, let's do the last point real quick. Uh, and then I also have read that dietary changes can be beneficial in making you less appealing to ticks. So, and this is where the vampire thing comes in again, but apparently diets that are high in garlic and onions can change, you know, the composition or the taste or the smell of your body in a way that ticks don't like it as much. So again, if there's you that's eating a ton of garlic and another person who's eating a ton of Twinkies, apparently the tick is going to be more drawn to the person who's not eating the garlic. So they are little vampires for sure. Uh, and then also sources of vitamin B1 are um, helpful in deterring ticks from wanting to attach you. So what has a good source of vitamin B1? Uh, tuna is a great source of B1. Tomatoes, sunflower seeds, uh, asparagus, other dark leafy greens. These are all great ways to get vitamin B1. These are also all foods that are very healthy for you and should be in your diet anyway. So whether or not they actually keep ticks from wanting to bite you, uh, for your personal health, you should be eating these things on a regular basis. Um, so that kind of brings me to this next thing. You know, Obviously, we do a lot on the podcast where we talk about um, natural health, healthy ways to do things, ways to avoid drugs, chemicals. We talk about how chemicals like pesticides are a stress on our body and how they can negatively affect us. Um, but there's going to be a moment in your life where the rubber meets the road. So when it comes to some things, I'm very diligent. No chemicals, nothing unnatural. That's not for me. When it comes to the possibility of having a lifelong chronic disease where uh, medical doctors are going to want to put tons of antibiotics in me over many years, I start to weigh the two options. And it makes more sense to me that if I'm hiking in the woods or I'm camping, that I'm going to spray some bug spray on my feet and my pant legs rather than, you know, up the risk of encountering a tick and encountering a disease. Now, as always, I think that a sound approach is to have a combination of approaches. You know, do the things like keeping your yard maintained. Do the things like wearing long clothes, like showering after you come inside, like using essential oils to deter them uh, so that you're not increasing the stress on your body on a regular basis. But if I'm in a high-tick area and I'm hiking through the woods or I'm doing an ultra marathon, I'm putting bug spray on my legs. 
you know it's not ideal but the alternative is less ideal so it's just a fun thing to think about we have these you know we have the ideal in our head and we have the way things want to be and then we have reality and you're gonna have to figure out what's best for you and what's best for your family so be natural do all the things but also use some common sense when it comes to these creatures all right moving on So, again, how often do you check? Check daily at least. It takes 24 hours for Lyme disease to get into your body. Um, but there are some other diseases that can get into your body more quickly. Uh, so you want to be checking on the regular. I check any time that I'm outside in tall grasses. Um, you know, you want to check yourself. You want to check your children. You want to check the pets. You want to check anyone who's been outside playing in the woods um, as soon as they come inside so you can limit the exposure to ticks. And what do you do if you find a tick? So it's very important when you're removing a tick from a body that you remove the entire tick. If you just grab the body of the tick and pull on it, oftentimes the head will stay uh, lodged in the body, and that's how the disease can still spread, even though you think you've pulled out the tick. So you want to use tweezers. You want to get as close to the head of the tick as possible, and you want to make sure that you pull the entire tick out. Um, if you are in an area where there's been a lot of tick-borne diseases, you can mail the tick uh, away for testing, which can be very helpful. So if you get the tick, don't just throw it out the window or flush it down the toilet. Toss it in an envelope, mail it off to get tested, and that way you know whether or not that tick had any diseases. Uh, again, that you can get the information that that tick had a disease, but you got it out quick enough so it's not a problem. But it's good to test these things so you have an idea of what's in the area. Um, you can find all the information for that online. They'll tell you where to send the tick. And they'll let you know in a timely fashion what kind of tick you had. All right. So that should be enough to get you started with ticks. Obviously, there's a world of information about these little vampires out there. So feel free to do some more research. Uh, remember to check yourselves regularly. Use whatever you're comfortable with to help deter them from being attracted to you. Uh, if you do get bit by a tick, make sure you remove it completely. Consider getting it tested. Uh, check regularly, check regularly, check regularly. Um, you know, like everything else we talk about, it's so much easier to do the work up front than to have to do the work on the backside when you're dealing with something much worse. So be out there, be safe, have fun. Know that you can do all the things you want to do as long as you're smart about it and safe about it. Uh, get out there, enjoy nature, enjoy your barbecues, enjoy the summer. Um, it's been beautiful so far here. Hopefully it's beautiful when you, where you are, uh, make sure you check out all those bands that we talked about earlier in the show. Reach out to me. Let me know what you liked about this episode. Let me know if there's something you didn't like or you want more of or less of however you feel. Let me know. <laughs> I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you as always for listening. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, each and every one of you, uh, it's, it's really cool and I appreciate the community that we're building. So get out there, find something to make yourself uncomfortable, work on some growth, have a great week, have a good barbecue. Uh, I love and appreciate you, and I'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please remember to share this podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on social at Moby Dickert and learn more about me and the podcast at thomasdickert.com. <laughs>